Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron, and the potential suitors are out for Gabby and Rachel. There are 35, I believe, men shared on Facebook, the Bachelorette's official Facebook page. We know that not all of these men will, you know, be in the running necessarily because of quarantine and because this is the new thing the show does by teasing us with the names and no information, but their ages and hometowns to get us excited. And we're still very, very, way too far away from the premiere of The Bachelorette, but it's never too early to start digging in to these men and to the data. So I have someone who you all should follow on Instagram if you don't already, at Bachelor Data. Hello, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I want to say, first of all, congratulations on your growth and everything that has happened since I feel like I can't even remember what season it was when I had you on. But I feel like you've exploded. There's like programs people can take. There's a lot going on. It's been really exciting. I started my Instagram account during Clarentatia's season. It was technically Peter's, but this was like three weeks before the world shut down. Um, and I didn't do anything until the fall of 2020. And now this is my full-time job. Wow, that's so cool. And you, I know Jason Tartik respects the hell out of you. Aren't you like going to one of his book stops or something? Yeah, he's stopping here in Boston. So I'm going to be joining Hayden and we're going to do a live podcast at the stop. So I'm so excited to be a part of that. And um, it's cool to see former contestants in, embrace the data. You know, it's, yeah. it's cool to, and to see them also talk about the data on their end. I think Jason does something really cool on his podcast where he's, he's really transparent about the behind the scenes of being an influencer. And I don't think, you know, I think people knew it was a lucrative industry, but I don't think people realized how lucrative it is. No, it's truly fascinating. And I think that the show, especially in like the, everything that happened in paradise last year, where date Instagram followers were dragged into it. Us Weekly was dragged into it. There was a lot going on. And I feel <laughs> like it would be a mistake if the show didn't find a way to embrace that a little bit more. I know they do the, the bachelor nation podcast and they have a website and like they, you know, I just feel like it's almost at this point shouldn't be a fault. Like there should be a way to acknowledge this instead of it being a here for the right reasons, wrong reasons thing. But I also, I feel like they never will, but it just feels like at least in paradise, <laughs> there should be some sort of way to like talk about this. Cause I'd love to hear them talk about it without immediately villainizing them. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And I think it's very interesting. A lot of people shame contestants. I get, I get requests for like how many people go back to their real jobs. And I'm like, well, first off, these people have to curate a brand, maintain their followers and their community. Like don't, cause they can't just like start throwing out tons of ads because then people are going to start unfollowing and then they lose their follower counts. Right. But I mean, if I were to pick between making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in my day job, yeah, I do that. And I don't think, I don't think they should be shamed for it, you know, and a lot of them create really good content and amazing communities. Um, and now a lot of them are launching their own apps. Like we literally this week, Hannah Godwin, her app about like photo filters was featured in the Apple app store, which is amazing. Yeah. I think it, it, it works itself out, right? Like they, the ones who are going to be able to make this a career will, and the ones who won't, won't. And it's, it's, it's kind of on us. Do you want to follow? Do you want to keep up? Do you want to download? Do you want to, you know, watch that TikTok video? And it's, it's, it's up to you as the fans to follow or not follow or to unfollow and to give them that power. So then how can we be mad at them? I mean, it does when you bring in other people's feelings it, with all the Natasha Piper stuff, we're going backwards, but oh, yeah. like that makes it complicated. Cause then of course you're, you're messing with someone and you're trying to get screen time and that's not cool. But I feel like there could be a way for them to talk. Like, I would love to hear like a side conversation on the beach of how much did you get paid for that ad? Oh, I got that. Like that would be music right? to my ears. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and I think there's two, there's a big shift in social media happening right now that I'm not necessarily sure that Instagram is really the place where these contestants are going to be thriving anymore. Right. I mean, I know you tracked Clayton season and Clayton season overall, I feel like it press wise, people talking about it wise, it just didn't really have the hype until those last couple weeks. Did you see that reflected in the followers and was it crazy different if you can remember from like Matt James girls with as far as following goes so if I try to just talk about Clayton's season yes it was down like Instagram follower accounts were horrible but it's a bigger conversation so if we were to just look at Bachelor franchise and Instagram follower accounts would be like wow this show's ending soon it's it's going to be taken off air like nobody follows these contestants anymore but truly what's happening is that Instagram just is struggling as a platform. If you look at love is blind, which there was a TikToker recently who was like, here are all the Instagram follower accounts for love is blind. And deep D made a 1 million followers. Wow. Bachelor is doing horrible. Look at Clayton season. Well, not really. If you look at love is blind season one, they had way more followers than season two did. Mm. And that's also like comparing two very different things. Love is Blind is on a streaming service that my cousins in Brazil can watch legally. If they want to watch Bachelor in Brazil, they have to go through VPNs, do things illegally. Like it's a network show, right? So it's harder to access. It's, It's not a global audience. Is it available in other countries? Yes, but it's not as easily accessible. Um, so it's hard to look at that as, as an overall trend. Peter's season was the last big season for this franchise on Instagram. But when you look at the data on uh, its domain hits by websites in the world, so like YouTube, Google, um, TikTok, WhatsApp, like all of those apps, it went from Instagram being in the top 10 to at the end of 2021, it's not even in the top 10 anymore. And TikTok has surpassed Netflix. YouTube, it is now the number one most visited domain in the world. Wow. Oh, that's so wild. <laughs> I think it's hard because a lot of people are like, oh, wow, this show's going to go under because nobody's following them on Instagram anymore. It's like, well, Instagram is just becoming a very hard platform to grow on. 
And to be fair, the show's been on for 20 years. I think they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this week. Yeah, they are. The influencer industry is pretty oversaturated. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And it's always changing. And I think that's so interesting to point out too, because you think about Peter's girls and even right before that, your Hannah Brown, who I feel like has been the most followed bachelorette since she got there, like she's mm-hmm. never lost that. And her fans are very dedicated. And I feel like they got in at like the right time. And that was the right time for Instagram too. And we were all kind of obsessed with curating our feeds and like things have gotten kind of messy again. Like it's a little less about that versus it was like a very curated platform for a long time, but it's the easiest one. I feel like for the most natural viewers to look at, or for me or for anyone. And I definitely saw those numbers pretty low, but then there was a bump a little bit with the finale, I would say. Right. Yeah. Every finale, they're going to gain way more because the storyline people are invested and people want to see what's going to happen with these people after the season ends. And I think it's really interesting too. If you look at like Aaron came up during the women's tell all this season, um, he got a little bit of a boost when he was connected to Genevieve, but like people then started following them because they wanted to see like, are they going to mention it? Like people get invested in these storylines. And when there's a good storyline built, people will follow. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, overall, have you seen any sort of trends with someone like Aaron that especially makes sense to me because they want to see if he claps back, if he reacts, if the narrative is going to keep going. But in general, when it's just like, a, you know, Claire Crowley giving her opinion or Ben Higgins hosting a group date, does that do anything? No. So it's actually, I started tracking this in recent seasons because I was really interested. Like these people go on the show, they already have a big following. Does this actually help them? And what I found was bachelor contestants, like they'll get like a couple hundred followers, which is nothing when you have over a million followers. And then they, they kind of just go back to normal. And then if you look at somebody like Hillary Duff, I mean, she was gaining tens of thousands of followers, but she went on the show also promoting how I met your father, which was her new show. So the variable there isn't necessarily bachelor, which I mean, I started following her again. I was like, Oh, it's Hillary Duff. I haven't seen her in ages. Like I'm excited for this new show. Right. But it, so like publicity worked, right. But she also started getting publicity everywhere because that show was coming out. So typically if you're a bachelor contestant and you go to like host or something like that, you're not going to gain that much. And we even saw that with uh, Caitlin and Taysha when they were hosts. I mean, these contestants were gaining hundreds of thousands of followers and there were even some weeks that they would lose followers, even though they were hosting the show. What's interesting, and I'll just throw out there in case people are super interested in the data and how this works, because like I am, is for brief moments are like us weekly Google traffic will just go nuts when they're on screen. So like when Claire was on screen, everyone I think was Googling, is Claire even still with Dale? Like, why is she giving advice kind of vibe? And it's very, it's very brief, but it did. Like I saw that spike obviously Cassie and that whole thing spiked and Nick Vile and his girlfriend. Like, I think people were Googling, like why I would assume why are like, just who remember if they are still with their person, but also then why are they giving advice if they're not kind of vibe and it never lasts very long, but it's crazy to see the spike. Like thousands of people will be on those relationship timelines that haven't been updated in wherever. Um, and then it goes right back down, but that's where yeah. I see it. So I would imagine since that's so brief, I would imagine that's not going to warrant a follow on Instagram. You're Googling, oh yeah, what's Nick Vile up to? If you're not already, you know, in his world. Okay, great. He's not with Vanessa anymore. This girl's fine. Don't care. Moving on. Next time he's on my screen, I'll probably do the same thing. It's kind of how I feel like what happens. And I will say Instagram is only one metric, right? Just because people aren't following these people doesn't mean that they aren't benefiting. So like I remember Ben Higgins went on the show, but he was also launching his book, which was really good publicity because it got him back in the news. 
Um, that doesn't mean he didn't make money on his book. Like that, that's another yeah. metric. And then same thing, if we track uh, musicians, for example, musicians don't necessarily gain a ton of followers from going on the show, but the Spotify hits, we actually had uh, Adam, oh gosh, what was his last name? He, he was a musician who went on the show and he actually commented on one of our posts and he like at his manager and was like, yeah, but you should see our Spotify listens and how those increased. So like Instagram followers, again, it's not always a metric that these people care about. If they already have the following, if they're trying to sell a book or if they're trying to go to podcast hits or to, you know, listens on Spotify, like that's what matters to them. Yeah. That's a great point too. I've always wondered if it quote unquote worked, like when these obscure people come in every once in a while, you look back and see some of the names and you're like, Oh wow. Like Dan and Shay or some of the country people. Um, it's kind of crazy that they ever were even on the bachelor. Cause now they're so established, but yeah, sometimes those songs, I'm sure people look up the song and it gets in their head and all that. So that's really interesting. And that was fun. Little, little thing into just where Instagram is with the franchise now, but I want to shift into Gabby and Rachel's potential suitors as they call them and specifically with age. And I, I think it's so interesting because I believe they're not the same age. So that kind of opens up a whole other situation, right? Gabby is 31 and Rachel's 26. And I know that's not just hardly like she was 25 a few weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So she's 25, 26 and Gabby is 31. And I know that's not a big difference five years, but I personally think those are kind of big differences on where you're at in life and how bachelor contestants, in my opinion, behave, because I think a big reason that Susie and Clayton are at all a thing is because Susie's 29 years old and is like being rational about this. If this was one of Peter's girls at 23, no freaking way this would be forgiven. And I know it's not all about age and this franchise sometimes focuses too much on age and relationships, but I think there's a big difference between early middle twenties and late twenties, early thirties. And I don't know how they're supposed to cast for both of them. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I, I like, I, I'm Gabby's age. I'm 31. And you know, my brother got married at like 24, 25, like, right. And he has a successful marriage with four children. So just because they're young, doesn't necessarily mean that these people aren't ready for a relationship, but generally also, if you look at, we do a visualization every season where we look at how many 23 year olds, how many 24 year olds, how many 25 year olds there are. And we always put a line on that that breaks the chart in half of where the median age of marriage is in the U.S. Ooh. And it's 30.5 years old. So it's 30 and a half years old. Okay. Um, and I find it really interesting because if you look at the leads ages, um, Gabby is the third oldest bachelorette. She's tied with Trista. Trista was 31 also when she was bachelorette. Okay. And the only two older bachelorettes were... Um, who was it? It was uh, Rachel and Claire. Rachel Lindsay and Claire. Yeah. And so Claire was 39, but Rachel Lindsay was 32. So, I mean, it's a year difference, but typically they cast within the 26 to 30 range. So it's, it's a pretty small range that they cast the leads. Um, But I, what I find really interesting is that when you look at the success rates, which we haven't had a ton of successful bachelorettes, we, this is, we're going into our 19th season Season 16 had two leads, right? So we had Tasha and Claire. But out of all of those, we've only had Michelle, which was season 18. And then our next successful season was season 13, Rachel Lindsay, and then JoJo. So those were back-to-back successful seasons. But still, JoJo's season, she was 25, and she's just now having her bachelorette party, which COVID did slow them down. But right. they're significantly older now. 
And then Desiree was season nine. Ashley Bear, we consider her a success. She was season seven. She had a multi-year marriage. They had multiple children. They just recently got divorced. So we still consider her a success. And then Trista. So we haven't had a ton, but what I do find interesting is that out of those, what is it, two, six bachelorettes, four of them were over the age of 26 and only two of them were 26 and under. Statistically, if they're older, they've been more successful, but not necessarily. What I did find the better indicator is the difference in the age between the lead and who they choose. Ooh. Almost every single successful bachelorette has chosen um, a lead that was their age or older. The only ones who didn't were Trista and Michelle, which Michelle's season just finished recently. So um, up until Michelle's season, there was only one bachelorette who chose somebody who was younger than them. Do we know who it was? Yeah, it was Trista. Oh, it was Trista. So, yes, you just said that, duh. Yeah. And that's all, not just the successful ones. That's everyone. She's the only uh, one who no, chose somebody the successful that's the success. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, like Caitlin chose Sean, who was one year younger than her. Claire chose Dale, who was eight years younger than her. Um, but other than those three people and Michelle, everybody else has chosen older than them or their age which is really interesting because then when you go and look at how many people they cast at each age, so I have this graphic on my Instagram account, which we can, I'll give you the link to. Mm -hmm. um, I do like on Rachel's and Gabby's season, there's one 23 year old, there's two 24 year olds. And then I put where each one of them are. So it's interesting that when the majority of bachelorettes are choosing men who are older than them and how few men there are above where Gabby and Rachel lie or where Jojo lies, et cetera. It's really interesting how they cast so many young men, but that's not who they're choosing. Yeah. I guess they're for the drama and maybe the future of the franchise in a paradise sense or in a younger people also maybe want to, or try to keep it like younger people interested in the show. Like if they go, yeah. I think that's been something they've struggled with in general is getting the generation younger than us to even care about these people. And maybe they think <laughs> if they bring younger people on also, that could bring that in. I mean, I think a lot goes into the casting process. I would assume, do you know who the, by chance off the top of your head, who the youngest bachelorette was? Yes, Hannah. it was Hannah at 24. Wow. And then That's... Jojo at 25. And then everybody else was 26 and up. Interesting. And Hannah, I mean, it wasn't really her fault. Season kind of fell apart, but it would have been interesting if she picked Tyler or if Jed wasn't quite so Jed, what would have happened? Cause I feel like she, I mean, after reading her book and everything, homegirl wasn't ready to get married, but she wanted it so bad. So it was an interest, it's an interesting thing to think about, but now we've got a 26 year old and a 31 year old and a whole lot of dudes that can you tell me anything about their, their, the average age, what are the high most frequent ages, all that fun stuff. You know, I think what's really interesting talking about Gabby. So Gabby's my age, right? Okay. And I'm not married yet, but I have a long-term boyfriend. Seeing that there's a 23-year-old on her season, I feel like I, I feel like it'd be really inappropriate for me to even consider talking. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. You know, maybe that's my former educator in me that I'm like, oh my god, like how old was he when I was a senior in high school? Like I'm going back to those roots, but right. Yes, yeah, so we have a lot of young guys, which also, again, to say. At median age of marriage, one can also argue that if the majority of people are getting married at 30 years old, they're not going to have a big pool to choose from because in theory, if most people are getting married by 30, there won't be a lot of options. But 
Um, as far as the men, we have a ton of 25 year olds. Um, eight out of the 35 potential cast members are 25 years old, um, with an additional three being 25 and under. But a lot of the men are around Rachel's age. So we'll see if that really, you know, plays a factor for them. Um, as far as the, the average age of the cast, though, so the average age of the cast actually hovers around the age of 29. So there isn't a huge, you know, gap from season to season. Technically, this is the third youngest cast, but the average age is 28.1. So it's, it's still not that young. When you, when you just look at, oh, it's the third youngest cast, you're like, oh man, why are they casting so young? But it's like, it's still 28, which is pretty close to marrying age um, by the census. Um, but our oldest cast was Clarentasia's season. Um, and then our youngest cast was Hannah's season. Uh, but Makes arguably, sense. I would say Hannah's season was one of the best for Instagram follower accounts out of any Bachelorette season that we've ever seen. So, and for uh, honestly entertainment purposes, and they were all pretty young. So it's kind of like, and Claire's ended up being, but not in the way they planned. So I think if Claire didn't do what she did with Dale, I don't know how that whole season would have panned out. I guess we'll never know. But the younger people, people complain because they're not ready to get married or whatever, but then do they give us better drama or storylines? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I do think what's interesting is if you look at the average age of the final four contestants, that's where you see a lot more variability. So Hannah's season had like stand out the youngest final four at, at the average age of 25. Um, and then Tasha's final four was 31, which was one of the higher ones. But if you look at um, Michelle, Rachel, Jojo, the successful bachelorettes, they all had pretty, pretty older, like higher than the average age of their entire cast. They had a much older final four. So Michelle, her average, her final four's average age was 27 and a half. Uh, Rachel's final four was 30, almost 31. Uh, Jojo was 28. Um, Desiree's was on the lower side, also around 28. Um, but Ashley Abair, her final four was almost 31. And then Trista was around uh, 29. Interesting. So before when you said the 29 is the average con- for overall contestants on the show and 28 is where we're at with Gabby and Rachel, correct? Yeah. Okay. So nothing crazy. And we don't know how it's split up because we don't know if these guys are, my guess is they're going to walk in and they're going to be like, I'm here for Rachel. I'm here for Gabby and kind of split them up in the beginning to avoid this whole competition thing that is going to be potentially not a good idea and that they're claiming they're not going to do. Um, we don't know that yet as far as this recording, but I wonder if there's anything to do with age could have come in. Like Gabby, one of them will say like, I want guys this age, or if they're just going to like feel them out, they each meet them separately. Or if the guys don't even meet them first, like I'm very curious to see what they're going to do here because you can make preconceived notions or you can just open it up and see what happens. But if you open it up and see what happens and they like any of the same guys, we're getting into dangerous territory as far as what the franchise wants to present. Probably good TV, but also dangerous road. Yeah, I am a little worried if they make them split up night one that it's going to feel a little bit like Caitlyn's season where it kind of like the girls were just kind of like, I hope you choose me. Like, right. and it felt very like not women empowerment, which it, it sounds like from the spokespeople around this franchise that they're not going to be pitting the women against each other. But, you know, I just recently watched Joe Millionaire and they waited until like a little bit into the show to split the cast. 
And it was a little bit of what the leads wanted and then a little bit of what the women wanted. So they kind of like chose halfway through. Okay. So I didn't watch that show, but everyone keeps like, that's like kind of what people are citing as an example of can doing it right. And so did they all just like met and went on dates and they were in different kind of like group dates kind of vibes put in bachelor speak. And then at some point they had to make the decision. I want to keep pursuing you versus you. Yeah. So it was all group settings with both leads present on the group dates. Um, And it was kind of like, it felt more like mixers where they just kind of walked around and just kind of walked off to have individual time whenever they were talking to somebody. But, you know, I think it'll be an interesting vibe to see how they're going to do it. I also am like totally lost in how I'm going to do my data this season. Like, am I going to have a final four for each one of them? And how is that going to look with the data? And am I going to have split seasons across everything? But honestly, I love it. I'm glad that they're changing things up. One of the biggest frustrations that people have been having about this franchise is how stale the format was getting. So maybe this works out. And then I think something too, that so many people were looking forward to having Caitlin and Tasha as the hosts was having that girlfriend, like your girlfriend's there for you to give, you know, for you to just talk to Like, I loved the moment when Katie, I mean, I was sad for Katie when she locked herself in the bathroom and Caitlin just sat outside the door and talked to her. I was like, this is what we want to see. Like we want that girlfriend feeling because as great as the hosts have been, it's like, if you're a girl on the show, like you don't want a guy who could be your dad, like talking to you or, you know, it's nice to have like a girlfriend there. So I'm super excited to see how that's going to pan out. Yeah. So they can do it for each other versus needing a Caitlin or a Tasha and have Jesse Palmer kind of be like just the the announcer of it all, which will be interesting for sure. Moving on from age, um, they obviously have given us their hometowns as well. Before we move on from age, just quick shout out to the twins, um, the 24 year old TikTok famous twins. I think they're, I don't know if they're TikTok famous, but they, I keep seeing things about them and TikTok that's I'm sure, you know, just a ploy to just, you know, have twins and make a joke out of it. But I thought that was funny that there's twins. Um, I also thought there would actually be more guys. 35 is like what they do for every season, almost 30, 35 in this initial round from what I can remember. So I thought maybe there would be more, but hometowns and States did anything pop out out of the ordinary about where they cast these people from? Yeah. So I'm always interested in, you know, some of the bigger States that they always cast. So California is always a big one. Um, but Katie season hardly had anybody from California. Um, but Gabby and Rachel season, it's looking like about a third of their cast is from out there. Um, but this season we actually, for the first time ever split up the cast by regions of the U S so the Northeast, the South, the Midwest and the West. And we used the U S census for whose States were what, And um, what's interesting enough is that the West side of the U.S., so that's where California is, Utah, et cetera, actually has the second highest casting from that area. 40% of the cast is from the West. And um, the the Midwest is not doing great and neither is the Northeast. We hardly have anybody from like Massachusetts, Vermont, you know, just the New England area. And New York is also pretty low. Um, We hardly have anybody from New York, which is pretty rare. Right. Um, the big states this season, though, are um, California, Illinois, and Florida. Okay, that like feels right to me, but I also feel like there's usually is some Midwest and some like East Coast representation. But those three states, when you said that, I was like, yeah, checks out. I feel like Illinois maybe is not usually always in there, but maybe I'm just I'm just thinking. And then like Love Is Blind was just there too, so now I'm just thinking that everyone's like from Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, Love is Blind makes sense. I think they choose all the same people yeah. from the same area. So when they go they back, do. it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm pulling up my, my state's analysis right now. And it's, you know, it, I feel like it's more like each, I mean, casting was, was messy during COVID. I think they just couldn't go to as many, like as many states for casting calls and it was more virtual. Um, but I do, yeah, this season is pretty high in, in California, California, Illinois, and Florida. Um, huh. Not a ton of people from Dallas, which was kind of starting to grow. Um, but given like the majority of the country is moving to Texas, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a change in the next few years. Do you think, I don't know if you know the answer to this, that like the, what, re- what is reflected in overall, like the United States, you say people are moving to Texas, people in COVID kind of fled New York. Now they're back. Do you think that reflects what we see on a show like this? You know, I was trying to look at that this morning because actually the U.S. Census just put out um, uh, an article that over two thirds of the nation's countries um, had a natural decrease in 2021. And the map actually shows what areas of the U.S. had like a ton of growth and like Dallas and Austin are just booming. Um, And then what areas are losing their population. And what I'm questioning is when I look at the states and the hometowns of where they are, the locations of where they put out these contestants, I'm not sure if it's necessarily where they actually are right now. And the twins are the best example because all of the rumors that are coming out around the twins, it's like they're club promoters in the NYC. And it's like, they're both listed as Connecticut though. So that might be their hometown. And then I know I've spoken to some contestants in the past and it's like, they put their hometown for some of the cast, but then where they currently are for the other part of the cast. So I think it's, it's mixed on what we actually get from ABC. That's fair. That's fair too. What about just initial looking at their follower accounts? There was one guy who had like a significant, like 33 K or something. I feel like when I looked at your initial graphic, who is that? And um, did anything out like, is, did anything stand out about their numbers? Cause some of them were not overly, I mean, not like influencer high, but like higher than your average Joe. And then some of them are of course the classic private on Instagram, nothing yet kind of thing. Yeah. So the one with the most Instagram follower accounts, that was Robbie. I'm going to butcher his last name. Sabosky, Sabosky. He's related to somebody famous. So he is Lily Sab. I'm mean, gonna again saying the last name wrong, but she was in Eyes Wide Shut in a few shows and t in movies from like over a decade ago. But then when I looked into it, her Instagram account, so his sister, only has twenty eight thousand followers. So he has more than his famous sister. But again, everybody's private right now, so it's really hard to figure out why these people have big follower accounts right but his bio says that he's a magician and he's a consultant for david blaine and warner brothers an inside job yeah so i think that might be why he's famous i don't i found some when you google him there's not a lot out there but interesting enough there's a few photos that look like modeling photos and then there's an article from 2013 from interview magazine that and I quote says, he is also a former child model and an accomplished amateur magi- magician who is sometimes ta- sometimes taken under the wing of family friend, David Blaine, all of which aligns with Robbie's intentions as he begins life as an ins- aspiring actor in LA. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I can hear it now. You want to be an actor. You want a Vegas show. David Blaine. Oh boy. 
<laughs> okay. That makes sense why he would have the most followers then. And the others, you got like a few 8,000 and then like the classic 3,000, 2,000, but that was the only one that really like stood out. Right. Yeah. The majority of them hardly have any Instagram followers. I mean, this is a, a cast with more Instagram followers for men than we normally see, but it's really not by a ton. And it's- I mean, it's so interesting because people go on and they're like, oh my God, the guy with 72 followers here for the right reasons. And it's like, yeah, but a lot of people just wipe their Instagram account right. and make a new one. So like, they're probably not here for the right reasons because they typically do that because they want to hide all of their likes, tagged photos, like all those things. I think you're a moron if you don't do that at this point, because especially being able to figure out what people liked and whatever. And I just can't imagine going in there with any sort of anything that could be dug up. And I know it's sketchy to not, but I'd rather like be like, oh, that's weird. Why don't have an Instagram than find yeah. something that I don't remember posting or liking or God knows what and things change. And oh my God, like it's terrifying. So I think it's wild yeah. that they ever go in with, especially like a Twitter feed. If you had a Twitter feed, I guarantee you haven't, like some of these people have not tweeted or looked at this in a decade and the things yeah. you could tweet a decade ago are not the things you can tweet now. So no. <laughs> why would you ever have an active Twitter account going on this program? Well, and people change too. Like I look back at my own journey, especially in the last like five to six years with my own personal growth around, you know, understanding race and my white privilege and things. And I look back to things that I used to say. 10, 15 years ago, which unfortunately I had a social media account Yeah, and I've been pretty good about going back and finding, you know, things that I've done in the past, but like, or said, which was never too bad. Cause I, I was raised, especially my school always talked about digital citizenship and your, your, you know, your digital footprint, but we've seen with these contestants, like if any of these men going on the show have any women in their life who watch the show, they know problematic tweets and likes comes up. So, but I think that also says a lot to the people who have gone on this show. They had a big following beforehand. You can go back on their feed and find stuff from 2013 and nothing problematic comes out about them. I think that also says a lot. Yeah. I think you don't know where your quote unquote journey is going to take you either. When you leave for that show, you, everyone I assume goes in most people thinking I'm not going to go anywhere. And then all of a sudden you're engaged and it's like, Oh boy, is there any specific thing I would assume obviously bachelor contestants would have more success on the social media side after because women are watching the show, want to follow outfits, all that stuff and fashion. But is there any like significant data or number that you know of where the the bachelor contestants, so the females have much more success versus the men, or is it just kind of depends? Oh, a thousand percent. Like Tyler Cameron types of follower counts for a contestant who is not the lead does not happen. Like, right. People do not gain significant follower counts on this show because you're a guy. It's the women that, I mean, it's like double what the, what the men get. So um, women have always had more followers and we're still seeing that even with the declines. I think that we're going to see, this is going to be one of the least followed casts on Instagram, but I will say we're also collecting TikTok follower counts now. And this is the most that we've found of just people having accounts before the season starts and having active accounts because we saw on Clayton's season a lot of the women had TikTok accounts but it had like 10 followers and it was definitely them because they use them now right but they've definitely they kind of started to pick it up partway through the season whereas these men have actual TikToks and I'm not sure that it's necessarily benefiting them because there are some very cringy 
videos that are coming out on some of these guys. <laughs> it's hard to be, there's guys find success on TikTok for sure. I mean, you see even in the younger, like those, the houses that they all had, it's a lot of the guys that are now still around. Um, but oh, yeah. it is hard to not be yet. I mean, especially videos people made on TikTok two years ago are not the videos they're making now. And what was popular when we were all stuck at home is not what people are doing now. So, oh yeah. God, I got to go do a deep dive before they get their phones back because there'll be some good ones to save in all in good fun, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I think it's going to be interesting and also seeing who they follow and like what brands they're creating on TikTok. This is a whole new world for the Bachelor franchise and TikTok is not like Instagram. You don't watch this show and just go follow somebody on TikTok because you like their makeup. It's, you know, they have to have a brand like I, Hannah Godwin is one that is very active on TikTok posting stuff every day and she has like a whole like series that she does on TikTok on her makeup. And then she does everyday things and then she does random trends. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see where TikTok is more, you just kind of throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks with your brand account. I'm curious to see how bachelor contestants are going to shift into this sphere and monetize it. Yeah. That should be really interesting to see also, because you mentioned that these, they all have active TikToks and more followers. So now to see if that goes up if the audience that's watching the show will immediately go to TikTok and follow them, or if it'll be a slow burn connected to, because I just would imagine the average age of people who are watching The Bachelor are still more active on Instagram, even though you said overall, like as a country, it's down um, or yeah. whatever. But um, before I let you go, were there any one or two things that you discovered during Clayton season, any stats that were like super stood out to you or just interesting or overall? Because I know you track word use, colors of dresses, so many different things. So was there anything that really stood out to you or just that you thought was interesting from Clayton season since it's still kind of top of mind? Yeah. Our big thing that we started to track this last season were who we see kiss the lead now. Ooh. And that's with the big disclaimer of, we know that there's a lot more people kissing the lead every episode that we're just not seeing because they only have, they only have two hours, which again, they can't put everything in there. But I think the biggest indicator of seeing who's going to get eliminated before hometowns is who we do not see get kissed. So we're going to be tracking that this next season. We have a whole chart that we do after every episode. So you can see who was kissed each episode. And it's sorted by who is the most overall kiss. Like not the number of kisses, but the number of episodes we saw them see be kissed by the lead. So okay. I think it'll be interesting. And I'm not, again, not sure how we're going to do that with two different bachelorettes. We'll see how it's going to work. It's going to be a fun season, but just trying to find random stuff. And thanks to people who follow, who come up with the most random ideas, which actually end up turning into trends that we're excited to do this next season. Yeah. I mean, the messier the endings get, the harder it must be. You have a lot of outliers of, you know, even Susie in a final, this fi this final rose ceremony, does her dress count? Cause like there was no proposal. Like there, like, I don't, how do you yeah. track stuff like that? I don't know. Oh, it's so hard. And I like, I'm so grateful for Instagram stories because sometimes I'm like, do we count this? Do we not? And I just throw up a poll and I see what people generally think, but um, we try to be pretty consistent with our rubrics, but we're changing up the format. We're going to have to change things up. So excited for it. And I'm all here for disruption of data. 
Yeah. And I'm here to, to watch it all and your beautiful graphics on your Instagram. And it's so fascinating to me. And Gabby said, love can't be measured, but you know what, Ken, they're, if they're followers, the amount of times they say like, what colors they're wearing, how many times their kisses are shown, all of that can be measured because this is a show at the end of the day. And yeah. then we, the love story is just a bonus. It's if it works out, it's great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. This was so fascinating and everyone can follow you during when the bachelor finally comes back to see all these things, these things we talked about, these theories and what happens, but thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of here for the right reasons. Don't forget to leave us five stars and come back every Tuesday and Friday for more bachelor breakdowns, interviews, and all things bachelor nation. Bachelor nation.